Welcome to the Over the Teacups podcast. My name's Bella and I'm so happy you're here today. Please join me for a cup of tea or coffee as we talk about the important things of life, the Bible, theology and living a life that honours God. Last episode we talked about Abraham and the promise that God made to him and that included a promised land, a great nation of descendants and all nations being blessed through him. We're now going to look at the next stage of God's covenant with his people. So we fast forward a few hundred years and the descendants of Abraham, they were a great nation, there were many people, but they were slaves in Egypt. They were not living in their promised land. God, in his covenant faithfulness, he hears their cries for deliverance and he remembers the promises he made to Abraham. We have some very famous Sunday school type stories here. Moses being called by God with the burning bush, the ten plagues of Egypt, and then finally the Israelites being delivered miraculously through the Red Sea and led into the land God promised to Abraham. So this is the context of the next promise that we come to. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 6, we see God do something absolutely amazing. God personally delivers his people from slavery and now he enters into a special covenant with the people of Israel. After they cross the Red Sea, he leads them to Mount Sinai, the famous place where they receive the law. But before he gives them the law, he says this to them, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There's a lot in these verses, so let's unpack them a bit. First of all, we have God reminding them of what he has done for them. He delivered them from slavery. He carried them to their promised land on eagle's wings. And I love this image of eagle's wings because there's a real tenderness about it. God's personally delivering his people. And it reminds us that it always starts with what God has done for his people rather than what we do for him. Before he gives them any commands, any law, he reminds them of what he has done for them to deliver and save them. So God has called them to be his treasured possession he delivers them because he loves them and he wants that special covenant relationship. 
What a privilege it is to be called God's treasured possession. They will be holy and set apart. That's another part of the promise. They're described as a kingdom of priests. What do these things mean? Well, a priest is someone who represents God to the people. Someone who helps bring people to God. Being a holy nation means being set apart from the other nations living around them. Living in a different way. Living in God's way. So we have a whole nation of people who would live in such a different way, set apart from God, representing God to the other nations. So other people would see and be brought into that life too. You know, other people would see that and go, I want that and come into that relationship with God too. Here we see God's promise to Abraham that All nations would be blessed through him, through his family. These are some amazing blessings. The promises that God makes are always amazing. But there's one difference between the covenant made to Abraham and the covenant made to the people through Moses. Well, with Abraham, he was asleep when the covenant was made. It was all from God's side and all Abraham had to do was receive it through faith. But the covenant at Mount Sinai, if we read it carefully, we see there's actually something for the Israelites to do. The blessings came, and this comes from verse 5, if you obey me fully, And keep my covenant. So God had promised all of these blessings. But the people had a responsibility to follow God and to obey his words. This great privilege comes only if Israel is obedient to the commands that God gives them. After they receive this amazing promise, God gives them the law. And these commandments, they provided a way for them to be set apart and holy, a way for them to live in covenant relationship with God. But here is where we find the problem that runs all the way through the Bible story. While the law was holy, And God is holy. The people were not. So the big question of the whole Bible is, how can a sinful people live in covenant relationship with a holy God? And at this stage of Old Testament history, the answer was found within the law. Within the law, there were instructions on how the Israelites could have their sins forgiven and be in relationship with God. And we call this the sacrificial system. And we find a lot about the sacrificial system in Leviticus. And 
I know this is one of those books that's maybe a little bit scary, a little bit hard to read, but we get very specific details about the different offerings that people could make in different situations. So when we read Leviticus, we actually understand a lot about that sacrificial system, the way that people could be made right with God. And there's actually um, the Bible Project podcast, which is a great podcast. I really recommend listening to it. Um, They have recently been doing a whole series about the book of Leviticus. So I definitely um, recommend that. It goes into a whole lot more detail than I'm going to do here. So if you want to learn more, um, go over to Bible Project podcast and um, yeah, listen to those episodes. One of the biggest events in the Israelite calendar was the Day of Atonement. And we find out about this in Leviticus 16. This is an event that happened once a year. And on this day, the priest entered the most holy place in the tabernacle. And the most holy place was sort of symbolic of where God lived. And when they got to this most holy place, they offered up sacrificial animals. There were very specific instructions on how to do this. The blood of these animals was sprinkled on the altar. This served as a substitute for the people. So these animals died in their place. The people deserved to die because of their sin. They had sinned against God. But instead, an animal shed their blood and died in their place. And through this, the people were cleansed for their sins. Like the punishment for their sins was paid for. But the thing is, God is so perfectly holy. And even the priests, they are sinful. They are sinful humans. And they first needed to offer a sacrifice to cover their own sins before they could intercede for the people. And even the physical altar itself needed to be consecrated with that sacrificial blood. It needed to be made holy and set apart for God. So after these sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, there was also another important ritual. And this one was about the scapegoat. So you might have heard this phrase before. It still comes up in modern English, scapegoat. And if someone is a scapegoat, you know, we might hear someone described as a scapegoat, that means they end up taking the blame for something, even if they weren't responsible. You know, they're the scapegoat. So back in, in the Israelite times, So back in the time of the Israelites, the ritual of the scapegoat, the sins of the people, they were confessed and symbolically placed on a goat. And then this goat was taken away into the wilderness. This is such a striking visual representation for Israel of their sins not only being covered, 
but being completely removed. So God knew that the people were incapable of following his law completely. And he made this way for the sins to be covered, for them to be right with him. But even when the instructions were followed exactly, these sacrifices needed to be offered up year after year. Why? Because in reality, these sacrifices were unable to deal with the problem of sin. God gave them these, these rituals as a symbol of what God was really doing. The blood of bulls and goats offered up by a priest who was sinful and imperfect himself could not make lasting atonement for the people's sins. In itself, it had no power. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament merely pointed towards the greater sacrifice that was to come, pointed towards what God knew all along that he was one day going to do. Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 1 to 14, it shows Jesus as the perfect high priest who shed his own blood to intercede for us. And it wasn't on an earthly altar, but it was on the heavenly altar in the very presence of the Father. And Jesus is better than the high priest of the Old Testament because he has no sin of his own. He doesn't have to atone for his own sins first. He can make perfect intercession, perfect atonement for us through his sacrifice. And Jesus isn't only the high priest, but he is also the sacrificial lamb. It's sort of he fulfills both sides of the sacrificial drama. In John Chapter 1, verse 29, you know, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus and he points and he says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Through Jesus, our sins are taken away. Now, the Old Testament law, you know, when they mentioned the sacrificial animal, it needed to be without any blemish. Or defect and this is Jesus he lived a perfect life we think a lot about Jesus death and then his resurrection and that's very 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 important but it's also his life the life that he lived before he died was perfect and because he lived that perfect life without blemish without defect he could die in our place. How amazing is it that Jesus is both our high priest and our sacrificial lamb. He provides everything that is needed for our salvation. And he's also our scapegoat. He carries our sins on himself and he was cast out into the wilderness 
Firstly, he was outside of the city of Jerusalem when he died. But he was also cast out to the wilderness of the grave. And as he did this, he removed our sins completely. And because he's perfect, because he's without any sin or any blame, his sacrifice was effective once and for all. So remember the Old Testament priests had to do, keep doing these rituals every year. But for Jesus, it's effective forever. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says Jesus wins eternal redemption for his people through his blood. Now as Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple, and this surrounded the most holy place where God's presence symbolically dwelt. And this veil sort of reminded the people that they were separate from God. There was a barrier that kept them from God. There were very strict rules about entering. This veil was torn from top to bottom. There is a great um, kids book called The Garden, The Curtain and The Cross. And uh, I read it to my son. He loves this page where the curtain is torn. And it is an earthly symbol of something that was happening in the heavenly realms. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, the barrier of sin that kept us from being in God's presence has been completely destroyed. There is no separation between us and God if we are in Jesus. We now have eternal redemption. We now have our sins forgiven and paid for once for all. We can now live as God's treasured possession. We can now be holy and set apart for God, being transformed through his spirit to be more like him. We also have the responsibility and the privilege to be his priests. And when I say priests, I don't mean that we're offering up sacrifices for people's salvation because Jesus has already done that. But I mean we represent God to the world. We point people towards Jesus. We point people towards the one who can bring them salvation. Well, I hope you have been enjoying our deep dive into the Old Testament. I hope you've enjoyed thinking all about Moses and the Old Testament law and the sacrifices and how Jesus fulfills all of them. Next time, so that's two weeks from now, we're going to have a little break from our Holy History series and we're going to welcome another guest to the show. I'm going to be speaking with Anna Hawkes Cabral about motherhood and how understanding God's grace and finding your identity in him makes all the difference. I'm sure it's going to be a really encouraging episode that you do not want to miss. So as we come to the end of this episode, I please ask you to yeah, get the word out about this podcast Share it with your friends, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast 
and I will join you for tea again next time.